0: Welcome to the Allies of Convenience podcast, the sometimes regular international competitive Warhammer 40,000 podcast. I'm your entirely unreliable host, Alex Ray. I'm currently in a hotel room in Detroit, desperately trying to get episodes out, uh, battling against uh, hotel Wi-Fi, which is fucking terrible in America, uh, unless you pay like $50, which I refuse to do so. Um, But we have got episodes to drop. This first one uh, was recorded... Well over a month ago now, so sorry about that. Uh, It's still important, though. It's uh, Matt Robertson speaking to a number of people that took part in the Battle for Salvation tournament, which was held on the Columbus Day weekend uh, in the Palisades Center in uh, New York State. Um, A popular event in the American 40k calendar. And we uh, have got interviews with our own Justin Cook Richard Thurcon and Cameron Pinero. Apologies if I've butchered any of those pronunciations, but I am a poor Anglo Saxon lad and your exotic names befuddle me. Um, I want to shout out, before we get into it, um, some of the companies that have been supporting us recently, most notably uh, at our GT that we held recently. It was a big success, sold out really, really quickly. So I'm really happy about that. Looking at doing some stuff next year as well if we can convince Matt Robertson to put up with all of you miserable lot again. Uh, thank you very much to KR Multicase, of course. Uh, very, very high-quality cases if you want to carry your miniatures around with you across the world, across the country to competitive events. Great solution. And, of course, they definitely helped our own Mike Collins after he managed to run his over. So thank you very much to KR Multicase. I want to thank Cromlec uh, for providing us with some of their great miniatures. Uh, you need to check out some of their stuff. They've got some great upgrade kits as well. And thank you very much to Steamforge as well. Thank you, you three companies, for supporting our uh, grand tournament. And I hope the guys that were involved at the tournament like their little bonus happy happy party bags that they got. There was no cake in there, though. Anyway, enough of me rambling on. Let's get straight into this one with our own Matt Robertson. Take it away.
1: Hi, I'm Matt Robertson here again, joined by good friend of the podcast, Justin Cook.
0: Hi, what's up, guys?
1: Uh, so Justin has just got back from Battle for Salvation, which is over in the States, and he's going to tell us all about it and how he did, pretty much. So what is Battle for Salvation, basically, and where is it?
2: So Battle for Salvation is right outside New York City. It's in um, one of the kind of suburb areas called Nyack, New York, and uh, it's it's put on by Ed Miller and Bobby Sinat every year around uh, on Columbus Day weekend. And it's basically a 64-person, six-round GT. Uh, it's Nova Format, with the uh, exception that this year they allowed one um, one Wraith Knight or one Imperial Knight. No other Super heavies or Gargantuans were allowed, but it's essentially Nova Format with the added single large model.
1: So for those who don't know, Nova Format is the primary mission and then all the tertiaries, which are norm- you pick, am I right? Um or has it changed yeah, a bit this year? Yeah,
2: it's 10... So you, there, there's a pool of, I want to say, 8 or 10 secondaries. Um, and they're things... So you don't have to always pick First Blood because some armies just don't play First Blood well. Um, they have things like Last Laugh, which is essentially reverse First Blood, kill the last unit in the game. Or uh, um, Heart of the Matter, which is get your Warlord to the center of the table. So like if your Warlord ends the game within 6 inches of the center of the table, you get heart of the matter um they have strike the rank and file which is kill all your troops and a bunch of other ones like kill a detachment because a lot of the tournaments in the states have gone to three source format um so a lot of people take things like a single inquisitor or a single assassin um and that kind of balances that out having that single extra model source uh can potentially hurt you in uh in secondaries
1: cool so what were you using then i'm assuming it was 1850.
2: Uh, it was 1850. Um, I was using Chaos Space Marines primary detachment um, and Tyranid Leviathan detachment. And like I said, it was third source. So because my primary detachment was Chaos Marines, uh, even though you can't self ally, I took um, I took an allied detachment of Tyranids because it wasn't the same uh, faction as my primary detachment. So I had Chaos Marine Cad Leviathan Nids and uh, and allied nids, so I had a sorcerer with mastery level 2, 2 into 10 cultists, a, uh, a bunker with a comms relay, 3 helldrakes uh, with bale flamers, and then um, between the allied and the leviathan detachment I had 4 flyrants, 4 muquelids, and a
1: venom throat. So, lots of flyers then.
2: Yep, 7 flyers. 7 flying monstrous creatures, and in 2 of my games my sorcerer turned into a lord of change. So...
1: so... Nice. <laughs> yeah, 8 flyers do you think if the missions had maelstrom elements you'd still go as fire heavy or would you go a bit more ground presence you reckon
2: yeah I don't know um, I, because I had demon summoning uh, and I had I every game I had at least 2 or 3 free units basically on the table I don't feel like maelstrom really would have hurt me that bad because I can at least deny people maelstrom pretty well um, and uh, it I don't know. Maybe maybe a few more ground elements. Maybe a few things like gaunts or something. Or maybe um maybe something like I don't even know. Tyranids have such bad ground presence, so yeah. it's kinda of hard to it's kinda of hard to be like, I'll take a single ravener. Oh, that's terrible, you know.
3: I
1: think Chaos ain't too much better either <laughs> Yeah, and
2: Chaos doesn't either because all their fast attacks are competing with Helldrake, so <laughs> you know.
1: Solo mutilators everywhere.
2: Oh solo mutilators. Solo blitz wouldn't be bad, but they're
1: kind of expensive. So. Yeah. So, what was your thinking behind that list? Then fly around, make it difficult to kill, and put your damage out, landing game, or a little bit more to it.
2: Yeah, I always play end game. I almost, I never play progressive. I always play end game. Uh, and basically, you just fly around, deny people, because a lot of people are playing progressive now with Gladius and MSU armies. Um, you just fly around until the end of the game. You deny them points where you can, and then you, uh, you try to max primary at the end. Um, yeah. You usually do a lot of damage. I played against, uh, I played against one MSU Eldar and two Marine armies that I think I left all three of those with a combined of less than five models on the table out of uh, three games. One of those models being a Wraith Knight, so obviously my army's not very good at killing Wraith Knights, left the Wraith Knight on the table.
1: Yeah, I suppose not much is good at killing Wraith Knights, but it is just worth noting, with the progressive and end game, with the Nova missions, you can score throughout the game by being on objectives, you rack up points and then <laughs> at the end you don't get any points for controlling or right. you play the end game where you're just scoring at the end. So if your army isn't great being there at the end of the game but it's good at being there at the beginning you go progressive or it yeah. gives you the option to suit your style of play and what you're playing against for those not aware
2: yeah and that's where my army really has more play is because you know we still have end game as an option if it was always just progressive i would definitely have to play something more like gladius or uh decurion necrons or something and not this but uh this army is very good at endgame. Uh, people constantly forget Helldrakes can hover, and that uh, hovering flyers can move essentially 30 inches in a turn between movement and flat-out. So uh, they have a big objective grab range.
1: Yeah, plus with the size of the Helldrake.
2: Oh, yeah, and it's yeah. a huge model, too. If the wings get... counting and everything, it's a big
1: deal. Yeah, they're getting wherever they want. Did you find Heldrakes going from last edition to this edition? Have lost a bit of their oomph, especially with the Vector Strike nerf and their line of sight bonus going away.
2: Um, you know, they've actually they yeah, they, they went away for a little while, but I think they made a comeback in the last three months. Uh, I actually took a list really similar to this. It was Corn Demon Kin with the four fireants and three Heldrakes, uh, to Nova Barbecue earlier this year, and I won that as well. Um because uh, Tau is, like, gone, basically. People have stopped taking Tau because, Psychic like Death Stars just annihilate Tau, and Tau almost have no answer to it. Uh, and because Tau was really the answer to Flyrance and Heldrakes, now Flyrance and Heldrakes kind of can scoot into that niche and, uh, you know, get some... Obviously, you know, did pretty well at this tournament, get some work done. So, yeah. They were gone, and then they made a comeback just, I think, in the last couple of months. We'll see what the new Tau Codex does to them, though.
1: Are you seeing a lot of Eldar, like, Scat Bike Armies and Gladius in the States at the moment, then?
2: Yeah, it's everywhere. Uh, people um, people play a lot of Gladius. People play a lot of, uh, a lot of Marines, um, a lot of Drop Pod Heavy stuff. And uh, a lot of Rhino and Razorback heavy stuff because the free Razorbacks, people just take free heavy Bolter Razorbacks for some extra long-range uh, anti-infantry shooting. Um, and then you're seeing a crap ton of Scatterbikes because, you know, Scatterbikes are good, uh, just not very good against Flyrance and Helldrakes.
1: Yeah, so you've kind of looked at what the top-end meta is designed to play against that and just hope not to get stuck in the middle somewhere
2: yeah now my uh now my achilles heel and the the counter to this is death stars are also very big right now, especially seer council and for the life of me there's there's no way I can figure out how to actually beat a seer council i mean I can literally kill everything else in the army and then at the end of the game, the six or whatever characters that aren't you know the two far seers attached to it just break off and jet forty eight inches and end game contest and I lose
1: yeah you' um, got a go second
2: yeah yeah exactly uh but is that's rough and uh wolfstar is pretty rough too um i would say i have a better time against wolfstar just because wolfstar is less fast like it's not as fast as uh Elder jet bikes obviously
1: um yeah you can work out where it's going to be end game a little bit more yeah cool so going on to your games then was the was it Nova out Terrain with the two big glass blockers
2: there was only one. Oh. Uh, there was only one big line of sight blocker, but everything else was the same. So there was always the diagonal um, diagonal buildings, diagonal hills, and then a uh, an area piece um, in the middle of your, your board edge area. Cool. And then one big line of sight blocker in the middle.
1: Yeah, so you've got eight or nine big pieces of terrain, basically. Yeah,
2: yeah and I think on every table also they did something a little different where there was two small uh like middle board pieces that were kind of line of sight blocking like tall enough to block most infantry but not tall enough to block like a wraith knight or yeah. even like an imperial knight or anything like that
1: yep. so rather than two big you've got one big and two small
2: yeah yep cool.
1: so i know when i went last year the train was really good it was a lot denser than others which yep. benefits some armies Yours, was, i suppose if you go in seconds you can set your flyants up hiding a bit Cool. So, game one. Anyone interested?
2: Uh, I played Jared um, from our little chat we're in on Facebook. Uh, Jared Friedman was playing Demon. It was pretty modif—pretty much just a modified version of Nick Nanavati's army. Uh, he takes out a uh, a single Nurgle Herald and some drones, and he fits in a unit—a fairly sizable unit of uh, Screamer or not Screamer Seekers, Seekers of slash with a uh, Slash Herald on his steed. Um, and it was uh, it was a tight game. I, I was firmly in control of that game because he set up really aggressively and kind of misdeployed his characters, and then I seized on him, um, and I, I managed to take out his Slash Herald really early. But uh, then he turned four, he rolled an 11 on Warp Storm, killed a Flyrant, uh, and uh, from there I lost the game because I couldn't kill a one-wound, unbuffed Nurgle, plague uh, like drone with a Flyrant in close combat. So uh that hurt. It was a, it was a rough end to that game because I felt like I was in the cockpit the entire game and uh it just slipped slipped from the the fingers, you know.
1: So he was witnessed at the end.
2: Yeah, he he was witnessed and I was deemed mediocre, sad.
1: So what was the score in that game then?
2: Uh it was uh 13 to 10. Um it was close. So so the reason I win that game is uh if If I kill the Nurgle, um, if I kill the Plague Drone, I deny him uh, Last Laugh, which was one of those secondaries I mentioned earlier, because that was the very last unit I could kill during that game um, and the very last unit that would have died. And then I also would have consolidated because I was half an inch out of sitting on an objective to contest it, and we both took endgame. So because of that, uh, it went from a 10 to 9 for me to a 10 to 13 for him
1: so close just a loss out in the end there. very close
2: very very close yeah i just barely lost and i still got good points i i mean a part of this uh part of what i won was you know i i won the award for most battle points so even the that game that i lost i still got 10 points which is good you know
1: yeah so uh was that a win loss event was it so that put you out of the running to win it but
2: you can... put me out of the the running to win uh uh, tournament champion yeah. so at that point basically I think there was one person that was five and one or two and one from the first day that made it to the top bracket so I was just out of making the top bracket at that point ah,
1: so you're still in with, with a slim chance but
2: I had a very slim chance but I wasn't even really concerned about that point I just wanted to get second bracket you know wreck my next two opponents and then make second bracket and play from there
1: yeah cool so yeah. was the second game any easier
2: uh second game was much easier. I played against um, not full Gladius. It was just a single battle company with Khan. Um, and then he took a Chapter Master as, from a Marine CAD, and then he took Skyhammer, uh, the Annihilation Force, with the two units of devs and two units of assault marines. Uh, he also had a single pod with a unit of Grab Devastators in it, and then he just had like two or three units of small units of bikes and uh, two or three units of rhinos. Um, and the Skyhammer was kitted out like you'd expect. Minimal squads of Assault Marines, and then uh, and then I think he had three Grav Cannons and one multi-melter in each one of the
1: devs. That seems a bit odd to have the one random melter. unless. It's...
2: Yeah, I think he did it because void shields. There was a lot of void shields there. Um, so I think he was taking a few, like a, a little smattering of Melted to peel Void Shields off, so he wouldn't get, you know, because uh, Nova FAQ says that Grav can't hurt Void Shields.
1: Yeah, because they're buildings, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So I'm guessing you looked at that and went, ooh, yummy, lots of marines.
2: I was I was like, oh, power armor. It's funny that I have these Helldrakes. Uh, so, yeah, that game kind of wrapped up turn, th- like, uh, turn 3 I want to say because on turn 2 um, turn 2 he dropped in with his sky hammer he elected to have it come in turn 2 uh, he came in and he killed a flyrant out of the air and he killed a Heldrake and then the other two helldrakes and the other three flyrants turned around and wiped his army basically like I killed 900 points of his army in a turn
1: that's yeah. not too shabby <laughs>
2: yeah no I mean he and he bunched up he helped me a lot because he uh, he didn't pay attention to what his positioning was uh, I think he forgot that I had a third hell drake in reserve and uh, he put ten guys essentially in, a, in like a, a teardrop shape and uh, they all went away yeah. because of demon forge
1: so that's, that's like lunch yeah. served yeah. <laughs> on a platter.
2: it was like and this game is over <laughs> <laughs> yeah so that game was pretty easy that was a um that was a that was a 19 do i want to say four win for me it was it was pretty quick i think he got um i think he picked uh warlord which i made my uh one of my cultist champions a warlord so he's one t3 model uh that constantly goes in reserve and then he came on and got instantly murdered by khan and a chapter master because there was really only two guys left at that point
1: yeah
2: um he did that, and then he did, like, Mark for Death for the unit or something,
1: so... yeah, he, he
2: got four points off of that, and that was it. <laughs> he know? was
1: going for that unit no matter what. Yeah. Yeah, it's like,
2: everything else might be dead, but that unit occultist is getting in the face.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> and then my third game, um, so that put me back in the running, at least for Bracket 2. I mean, I, I still wasn't very concerned about making Bracket 1, um, so I was really just worried about making Bracket 2. I made Bracket, uh, I made Bracket 2 after my third game where I played um, kind of an MSU mixed bag of uh, of Eldar. He had one unit of Warp Spiders and two units of, uh, of Dark Reapers, and then he had that Crimson Death Formation.
1: Oh, that could be interesting for you.
2: Yeah, he actually took Full Warhost. It, really, it was really interesting. I hadn't seen Full Warhost played in, you know, I think ever, really. And uh, he had a Wraith Knight. He had a single Wraith Knight with uh, heavy D-cannons, and... Um, that was the only thing left alive at the end of turn four. Um, or at the end of turn five. I had, I had one more thing to kill on turn five, so actually, like, one flyer with, like, a whole point left. But uh, he uh, he had a Wraith Knight left at the end of the game, and I still had, I think, all but one of my flyers still in the air. So, you know, as I took end game, and because I went uh, I went second that game, I actually managed to uh, just max that easily as well. I think I got 18 points, because I think I missed killing something turn two for some reason.
1: How did you find the Crimson Death to deal with, then? If, cause it should have been pretty good at killing what, at least a couple of your flyers.
2: It should have been, but turn... So it came in turn two, because he went first. I flew all the flyers off, and then everything flew back oh. on, and just blew it off the table. So it, it didn't even matter. Like, he had that. It was just like, here's three flyers, you went... You went first, so they came on, and then my stuff came on and just removed it from play, basically.
1: Yeah. If you hadn't got yeah. the jump, would you reckon they would have been a lot more trouble? Or can you find the flyerants don't really mind them too much as if you sit in cover, and then you got a good amount of shooting back?
2: Yeah. Yeah, if you sit in cover and you have a few catalysts, I mean, if you get even two catalysts, all your flyerants should have feel no pain. Uh, so then you just you know, feel no pain, four-up cover save, sit and cover, take a wound or two, maybe. Uh, and as long as you don't get grounded in charge by a race knight, should be fine. You know? And then you just retaliate and blow them away.
1: Yeah, because that's the one downside to them. They get the rear cover, which is great, but that means they fly off the turn after because they've jinxed. Yeah. And then you just go, okay, my fires will go off. Uh, oh, wait. They come back on, and then they die. So it buys them... A he turn.
2: also... He also didn't have a real way to control his reserves. Like he had an altar, so he can make him four up to come on, but that still just means you're going to come on piecemeal. Yeah. Um, so he, if you have flyers and you're playing against FMCS, you're kind of, especially flyers' era, at disadvantage, because the flyers can always leave the table, and then your flyers will come on, and then your flyers can retaliate. Like, unless you roll poorly and none of your reserves come on, which is kind of lucky for you, the fire should always get the jump on you.
1: Yeah, you just got to be careful with your positioning, knowing when to go on and off. It makes it quite yep. interesting sometimes like that. Because if they don't get the rolls, then it's a bit fiddly.
2: Yeah, like I said, it's uh, it's kind of up to the dice. I mean, he could have, he could have rolled, you know, all threes and then been like, oh my, Autark... Uh, makes it a minus one to my reserves, so they don't come on. And then I would be like, okay, well, I guess, I guess now I'm in trouble. But other than that, he didn't have that happen. He had two of them come on no matter what, which did not help him. They they died like immediately, and then he had one plane to deal with seven of my flyers. So yeah, so that game was again pretty over pretty quickly. I mean, that was another game where I feel like the Heldrakes came in and killed... They killed all the Dark Reapers in a turn and uh, most of the Jet Bikes because he positioned the Jet Bikes close, to, close enough to the Dark Reapers where I was still clipping like one or two Jet Bikes with each Flamer template and still hitting all the Dark Reapers because they were like three-man squads of Dark Reapers.
1: I think people forget because Heldrakes haven't been around for a while. The, the...
2: Yeah, they forget that they have Torrent. They, they forget that... You know, they basically have range, when they come on from a long board edge, they have range of the entire table to hit you with flamers.
1: Yeah, and the angles uh-huh. you can get. I, used to, I remember yeah. using mine, I was like, cool, that unit, they're like, I can hit, th- oh, you'll hit three here. Let me get that flame template a second. Spin it like this, there's six. Oh, you can do yep. some really cool things with them.
2: Yeah, people forget what they do, because uh, they haven't seen them in two years, and then all of a sudden they're uh, losing half their army to them.
1: And now we're giving all the secrets away. Yeah, I
2: know. Yeah, I know. Hell drakes, new meta.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so I'm guessing that put you comfortably into Bracket 2 rather than just scraping in.
2: Yeah, I was actually... Um, at the end of day one, I was, uh, I was, I think right below first on battle points. I think there was one person ahead of me on battle points, and that was another 2 and one person, conveniently enough, and that's why I missed bracket one. Um, But I was, you know, still comfortably, you know, in the top ten of the tournament at that point, you know. So, I was doing good. And, uh, you know, first game, first game I played against uh, one of the other guys in our chat, Dallas. Dallas was playing six flyerants and a lord of change. So our table had six fireants, a lord of change, versus four fireants, and three heldrakes. Nice. <laughs> and it was to top it all off, it was hammer and anvil, which is the worst mission for for those kind of armies because like your short board edge becomes your long board yeah. edge, so you have like essentially a seventy-two inch space between you. So it kind of becomes like a a game of chicken, you know, where it's like. Who's going to make the first move? Who's going to commit and, you know, make the mistake of getting blown up? So uh, Dallas, made, Dallas actually made the first, um, not play mistake, but he he had the first bit of bad luck in that game, and he actually blew his Lord of Change up turn one, uh, summoning. He threw nine dice into summoning, rolled double sixes within range of shadows, and proceeded to remove his own Lord of Change.
1: Nice. I'm guessing he rolled a one and then popped. Which was...
2: Yeah, he rolled a 1 and then exploded, which was convenient, right? Because then I had possession on my uh, Chaos Sorcerer, and I walked him out of the bunker and immediately took his Lord of Change model and used it as my Lord of Change. <laughs> so I was like, I need this, Dallas. And he was like, oh, Justin, I hate you. <laughs> um, so then I committed turn 2, because all my Helldrakes came in turn 2. Um, so I made the commitment turn 2 to... um. Actually, no, turn three it was, because I had to take a turn to fly on, because again, it was hammer and yeah. anvil, so it takes a turn to get there, basically. Um, I uh, turned three, I committed, and I flew everything into his face, right? And uh, I vectored one flyrant and took three wounds off of it, and then flamed it. And because Nova, uh, Nova allows uh, flamers to hit uh, flying monsters creatures, because rules is worded you're supposed to be able to hit him with
1: yeah uh, cuz you have skyfire
2: flamers in place as long well as you have skyfire yeah. yeah um so i flamed and uh i killed a flyerant and then i took two wounds i took a wound off of two other Flyrants and then uh even though he had uh venom thrope also so he had a two up cover save from being in a building uh one flyerant shot another flyerant and killed it like just did three wounds to it and he, he rolled uh he rolled three ones and it died um, yeah,
1: bits of luck that you need. I mean,
2: yeah. I, mean I did I did, I did, did six or seven wounds to it, so I did about average on the wounding. It's just he rolled three ones, so it went away. It was still lucky. I mean, you shouldn't roll three ones on six dice, but, you know, it happens. So once that happened, and I still had, um, I think I still had two Helldrakes at that point and four Flyerants, and he only had four Flyerants left. I also had a Lord of Change. So I have four Flyerants, a Lord of Change, and two Helldrakes versus four Flyerants, the game just descended into, you know, me just pretty much dominating him. Uh, so that one was another, I believe, 18-point win. Uh, I didn't kill anything turn two because it took me a turn to get there, and I didn't kill anything, and neither did he. So. And then uh, game five, I played against uh, I played against Marine Bikes. Um, very good Marine Bike player. I mean, just saying Marine Bikes and Hildrakes in the same sentence, I think you get the image in your head of, well... This is a terrible matchup for the bike player, and it is, uh, and I still maxed on him, um, but he definitely made the game a lot closer than it would have been if I was playing against a, uh, a novice player. Uh, he, he made a lot of really good plays. He killed... Um, I think he still only managed to kill two of my flyers, because he had two Storm Talons, and I think he... Uh, he got a Flyrant on the ground and charged it with Khan, just Khan, and I missed my smash attack and then Khan chopped the <laughs> Flyrant's head off.
1: Yeah. Happened.
2: Eh, eh. Flyrants are really bad in close combat. It's like a, a takeaway lesson. Everybody pretty much knows that, but uh it, you know, you just sometimes you need it reaffirmed in your head. You're like, you know, these things are supposed to be the, the might of this uh you know, this race's like close combat prowess and they are awful when it comes to even fighting like mediocre combat characters.
1: That's why you give them guns and fly around.
2: That's why you give them guns and fly around. Um, so that was another big win for me. Uh, so that put me in the bracket finals. Uh, so game 6 I played against Eric Hoger. Eric Hoger is playing uh, Necrons with Aspect Host. Um, so he's playing uh, like Decurion with three uh, Canoptic harvests and then uh, some aspect uh, warp spiders. Uh, I think we called it Arachnophobia over here. It was the affectionate netless name that we
1: came up with. Yeah, for it. that's been. Spiders, and
2: spiders everywhere. You yeah, know? I think it's
1: been called that here for some of the ETC that's like the Americans and the Swedish had, which were just like 50 warp spiders or something. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and I, uh, again, I seized the initiative on him, and that was kind of a... At the beginning of the game, it really helped, because I took out... He deployed like he was going to go first, and uh, he took progressive uh, primary, and I took endgame. So it kind of hurt me in the long run, but I figured if I could cripple him early, um, I would would actually be in a good position. So stealing initiative kind of helped me, because I killed two spiders, and killing two spiders means that two of his harvests are not going to have... Uh, essentially, for feel no pain the entire game, so it makes them fairly easy to kill, uh, which ended up working. I ended up killing all of those two harvests, and then I, uh, I just made a mistake turn two. I landed my firends because I kind of got like a little cocky, like, "Hey, I can deny you some progressive points," which there's no way I was going to do it. I totally misunderstood like ha- what I was doing, and and it was a complete mess up on my part, and I deserved to to take the damage I did. And, uh, then in Retaliation, he essentially killed two Flyrants, because, uh, the Warp Spiders, two of the Warp Spiders came on, killed a Flyrant, and then he charged a unit of Wraiths into another Flyrant, and essentially killed it, because between that and the next unit of Wraiths that hit it, he managed to kill it over, like, four turns of combat. Um, and then I just didn't, I didn't kill enough. And that's, I think that's part of the course, I think probably a lot of people have said that with Necrons. I'm definitely not the first or last person to say that, so, uh, yeah. Yeah. That's what it is. I still got ten points that game. I still maxed secondary and tertiary. I still killed something every single turn of the game. And I still uh, and I still managed to um you know get all of my secondary points. It's just I couldn't get any primaries again.
1: So how many points did that leave you on overall then?
2: So that left me with I think I had uh, I think I ended up with ninety four. Which put me in a three-way tie for top battle points uh, between myself, uh, Sasha, Sasha Edelkraut, uh, and Kurt Klaus. And Sasha was in bracket one, and he had a beautifully painted Space Ring Gladius army. And uh, I think he, you know, he must have been playing that army incredibly well. I think Nick's played him before and, and commented on how good of a player yeah. he is. Uh, so he was obviously doing well in the tournament. Uh, he ended up winning Ren Man. So that put him out of the running for Battle Master. So then me and Kurt were tied, and it was a two-way tie. So it comes down to total victory points killed out of your six games, and uh, I had I had a lot because conveniently my army kills a lot of stuff. Um, yeah. And uh, I I just I killed something like seven or eight thousand points out of the six games, like six eighteen fifty games. I think the total is like. There's something like 11,000 points that you could get total, and I got 8. So uh, it means that even the games I lost, I killed the majority of my opponent's army. So, you know.
1: What was Kurt running then, if he got a load of extra points as Kurt? well?
2: Uh, Kurt was running Council with uh, Wraith Knight. Uh, so he probably had an Invisible Wraith Knight most of the time with an Invisible Council and just kind of went around doing whatever he wanted.
1: Do you remember what many of the other tier one lists were then if you were just missing out on two and you were playing all that kind of stuff
2: so a lot of the, a lot of the um a lot of the top table armies like the top uh the top 16 in the tournament were council with the wraith knight um that's something that i've kind of i've said that a lot um that i think that's pretty much like one of the best armies in the game that the army that won the tournament was uh was that um Zach Polakowski, he's you know he beat Alex Fennel in the finals. Zach's like a 16-year-old kid. You met him last. Year. Yeah. He's Kind of a bit of a goofball, but he's a good you know, player. He still knows what he's doing. You know, he's still a competent player, of course. And uh, he just you know he was running five uh Baharoth, and a Wraith Knight, and just managed to take everybody apart with it.
1: Yeah, you can't really complain of a list so. like that, can you?
2: No. No, I think. I think that, you know, if you get the powers, and you should, because you have 15 rolls to get invisibility and fortune and all that, you're, you're rarely ever going to miss them. I think Kurt missed them two games in a row, and I, we were all making fun of Kurt for his terrible psychic power rolling. Um, like, he missed invisibility two games in a row in, the, uh, in day two, and... Uh, You know, but that's like an outlier. Like you should almost always get at least one invisibility and you should almost always get at least one fortune. So you kind of saying that, oh, well, there's the random number generation that you might not get the powers you need. No, You should. It's not even not even realistic, you know. So yeah, Eldar with a Wraith Knight in my opinion is one of the strongest armies in the game. I think it's even stronger if played right. I think it's even stronger than Thunderstar. I know Thunderstar has won a lot of big tournaments in the United States. I'm assuming that it's done very well uh, abroad as well. Uh, But I think Seer Council is probably the best army in the game right now.
1: Yeah, it's just so reliable when you've got all the forces and all the dice casting on 2s or 3s with rerolls and Yep. Yeah. Any of the yeah. psychic I stuff. mean they cast
2: they have the easiest they have the easiest time casting. They have the easiest time ignoring perils because of Ghost Helm, so even if they're casting on like Sanctic and they're trying to cast um, like Gate a lot of the times you see a lot of Elder players just gating their council around the table and casting uh Sanctuary and Fortune to give themselves a three up a rollable save. Yeah. and save They just don't care. They just do not even care about uh I rolled doubles. Uh I rolled a 4. I'll just ignore it with a with one of my 25 psychic dice and go from there.
1: You know. Lots and lots of nonsense.
2: Lots and lots of nonsense. I'm interested to see how it works in ITC. I think I'm going to give it a shot in, in ITC format because, you know, I've talked to... Um, I, I've posted a lot of things on my Frontline's page that, hey, you know, I think this is kind of crazy. When they, uh, like, day one banned the Tau Titan, I was like, you know, Invisible Wraith Knight is literally twice as durable as the Tau Titan, and you're not doing anything to stop that. And they were like, well, you know, that's, you might not get those powers, but realistically, you should always get those powers, and I want to see how it works in ITC, because they are right in that it's not dominating their tournament circuit, so I'm interested if that's just, people aren't playing it right, or the better players are playing different things, you know, because that sometimes, that happens too, you know, the better players win no matter what, usually.
1: I mean, yeah, I think with, it might be with ITC because they're not letting you cast the same power more than once, are they? So that might be yeah. a big. Yeah, it priority. does shut it does shut
2: one thing down. It does shut a uh, mass psychic scream, which is something that uh, that I know at least uh, Seer Council does a lot of is gate up, throw four psychic screams into you. They do that like all the time.
1: Yeah, psychic screams. Yeah. So good a power.
2: Yeah. And especially like um, Cam was running kind of a variant of, uh, of Seer Council. He was running something he's affectionately called Wraithgate, uh, which is 10 Wraithguard with cannons. Uh, and then I think Eldrad, 3 Far and an allied Dark Eldar Archon with a Webway
1: portal. Yeah, I think we're going to try and get Cam on this weekend to record a little bit.
2: Actually? Actually, going to get yeah. him one. Yeah, his army was very unique, and it's really good, actually. Um, I like his a lot, but it, the one thing that he has in there is Armor of Misery, which uh,
1: just makes Psychic Scream even yeah, better. Yeah, get that even with smarter. Horrify or something like yeah. that. It's just oh, yeah. insane. Yep. It's painful. Cool. So, some crazy lists at that, yep. then it seems, and hopefully we'll hear a bit more about a few of them in this episode or brief section, whatever this ends up being. Yep. Uh, so, good weekend overall, then
2: yeah great weekend uh the guys that run it are are they have it in a great location they're great guys uh they had great terrain um everything ran pretty much on time we were a little late getting out on sunday but you know it always tournaments always run like 15 minutes late you know it's just if you're not 15 minutes late you know something like the stars aligned like (laughs) you know you had a perfect two days yeah
1: with uh much on saturday night wise i was just pretty chill
2: Uh, you know, we just, we, we all got together like 20, 25 of us and we all went out to, uh, to dinner in the mall. It, this, uh, this is in a conference room, uh, that's like a large conference room, uh, in a gigantic mall, like one of the bigger shopping malls, I would say on the Northeast. Um, and it's, uh, it has like the third floor is literally restaurants, like probably 30 restaurants, so we rented out like we didn't rent out we uh reserved out like a large part of one of the uh tavern style restaurants down there and we just all went down there for dinner
1: sounds so, not a lot of party. sounds pretty good though
2: yep, yep. yeah
1: cool so that's spot for salvation thanks very much justin for coming on yeah. and having a chat with us and i'm sure we'll hear from you yeah, again thanks, in bro. your crazy exploit soon
2: that's right and you'll get to uh, I'll get a picture up here soon that you guys can uh, you know if you guys have the internet check out the Facebook page uh, I'll tag it and share it over on the Facebook page the uh, picture of me wearing the uh, ETC Wales jersey repping ETC Wales uh, for the award ceremony
1: oh, that's so. awesome just thinking then I yep. think the last three times you've been on this podcast were something crazy to do with a VESA star, probably Something crazy Probably. to do with Towernids. Now we've got another crazy yep. idea. What's next?
2: Yeah, man. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I have some I have some ideas for LVO. That's the next big tournament I'm gonna to be focusing on. I really like some stuff out of Forge World. I'm gonna delve heavily into Forge World because I know West Coast plays like basically just allows Forge World in unlimited fashion. Uh, They even just the recent ITC quarterly poll said that you can take experimental rules from Forge World. So I'm going to look at that and uh, see what kind of nasty, disgusting kind of out there armies that nobody's ever seen before or nobody
0: even expects I can put together and put on the tabletop.
1: Awesome. I'll speak to you very soon then.
0: I promise you one day we will teach Matt Robertson how to end a recording after he's finished speaking rather than just in the middle of his goodbye, which he always does. Um, but anyway, uh, I'm just jumping in because we had a bit of an error with uh, the recording, funnily enough, um, and we're going to get into Richard Thurkon's right in the middle of his army list, which I believe is uh, Space Marine Iron Hands, Sisters of Battle, and an Inquisitorial Detachment. So let's get straight into it. Each
4: is, is one of the HQs for the Sisters. Then I've got four priests, uh, one of them with Litanies of Faith, all of them with melt bombs and bolt pistols. Uh, two blobs of 18 sisters, just bolters. Void shield generator with two extra shields. And uh, that basically made, for Battle for Salvation, the majority of my army uh, count as uh, uh, sisters for their scoring thing they, they set up. Uh, then I ran a chapter master and bike, artificer armor, Gorgon's heart fist. He's technically the warlord, just so I can get the Scorpius. Um, I would have run it the other way if I didn't need the Scorpius in the list. Uh, then I've got uh, Librarian with Terminator armor, shield, Storm bolter, and the Forge sta- staff. Two units of five scouts with bolters. I was actually running Cultists uh, and painted them up and took all the Chaos stuff off them and ran them as, like, fraternist militia. And then I had Scorpius with the Battle for Calic, which is the Ignore's cover thing. Two Thunderfire cannons. And then I've got the Inquisitorial attachment, which is Codias. And the Xenos Inquisitor with the rad grenades, psychotroke grenades, three servo skulls, and power armor. So the list itself uh, basically wants to be in combat. And because it's Sisters of Battle, everybody always rushes straight at you. Because they're like, well, toughness three, strength three, weapon skill three, they're not going to do any damage. Well, the Sisters themselves don't do very much damage. Unless they've got rerolls to hit, rerolls to wound, which they get from the priests and the war hymns and re-rolls on all of their saves, which is really nice, when you can pull it all off. So basically, they don't go anywhere, and they do minimal damage, but they start taking things out. But what really ends up being the stuff is position, positioning of characters, like the chapter master on the bike, uh, can sit there and tank uh, strength 10 AP 1 hits all day long with his uh, shield re-rolling the save. So just basically positioning them in the right places is the right way to do it. Uh <clears throat> That's pretty much it. Uh, And then if my opponent isn't closing at me, the long-range barrage with the Scorpius and the Thunderfire cannons is great. Also, the Orbital Bombardment, if I get a lucky hit, uh, is great to basically knock out their stuff and force them to come at me. Because then they feel like they need to do damage in order to mitigate the damage I've been doing. So uh, mixing in the Servo Skulls, uh, dropping a D6 from the Scattered Ice from the barrage really really helps me out in uh, getting those those few hits to actually matter. Um, but then, like, it, when they finally do get to me, if they charge me, my rad grenades and psychotroke grenades go off, and if they're a toughness 5 unit, the, sh- the strength 8 from the uh, forge Stab and the Chapter Master's Fist will actually start causing some damage to even toughness 5 multiple wound <laughs> units. So, basically, it, it, it's ultimately a troll army. It's like, you're, you, you can sit back and... Not deal with me, or you can try to come at me, but either way, uh, my stuff usually doesn't die too easily, especially if it gets in combat. So my first round, I I ended up playing versus uh, the Adeptus Mechanicus formation, where it's got, like, the the knight in there, it's got the Scatari thing, and uh, a whole bunch of grav guys shooting uh, grav cannons the whole game. So when I'm underneath the void shield, his grav weapons can't actually hurt me, which was a huge deal. So then I just basically took out stuff at range, and he tried closing at me with his close combat ninja guys, I don't even know what they're called anymore, but as soon as he got into combat range with me, my, my blobs just ate up his guys without any taking any real damage. So, <clears throat> pretty much controlled the entire game there. It also helped that uh, my librarian and Codias both rolled invisibility that game, uh, for psychic powers. So I was actually able to keep uh, one of the blobs invisible, so... He couldn't even hit that unit the entire time. And his Imperial Knight didn't want to get close because I had four Meltabombs ready to go based on my positioning to take him out. Uh, My second game I played versus a Grey Knight player, and he was a young guy. Uh, Turned out his list actually was something like three, four hundred points over. He had everything. He had a two-plus save. He had um, Dread Knights three of them and everything was like terminators so he ended up uh, getting real close and attacking me right off the bat he, he got up as close as he could with the with the dread knights and that's not where you want to be because all the sisters of battle have strength six grenades so just from the sisters of battle swinging at him uh, I was doing enough wounds from 20 sisters or sorry night sorry 18 sisters uh, with a re-roll to hit because of zealot from the priests and then re-roll to wound from war hymns, I was able to just start knocking off wounds off the dread Knights and killed all three of his dread knights in the first round of combat. I was in there with him uh and then whatever wounds I didn't take off with the grenades I had the uh the the a p two from the mine stab and the chapter master doing the same deal third game was actually one of my hardest, which was Eric horger and he was running his uh Decurion krons. i don't you familiar with his list
1: yeah, I think Justin's been through that, so we'll probably put that out before this but
4: yeah. Well, his Decurion uh, same deal, we we're playing a Relic mission. He ends up charging right at the Relic, which I I basically infiltrated the Scouts onto to make him have to come for it, and, uh, got into combat with him, again, first turn with the Blobs, and he just couldn't do any damage, and because the Rad grenades knocked him down to T4 on the Wraiths, I'm just popping Wraiths r- left and right with the Chapter Master's Fist. Uh so pretty much he, he just bounced off me with his close combat army and he has a lot of close combat in it uh, he was trying to get into underneath the void shields again with the spiders and he just couldn't cause enough damage uh, to actually uh, do much so I ended up winning that with a uh, by one point actually in the end because I was able to contest one of his objectives in the end but really it, it just came down to the fact that he couldn't hurt me in combat and that's what he went for right away which is Pretty much what almost every player does. They, they they see the list, they see there's not a lot of models on the table, they see that there's nothing really big and scary, they, or so they think, and they, they roll right at it.
1: So it gets quite underestimated a bit then?
4: No, oh, a lot of people underestimate it. Um, especially, and then my next round I played against Alex Fennel, who actually I, it kind of underestimated it too. Got the charge off on me, and he nearly lost his entire unit of Wraiths uh, in his list. I made a mistake. Uh, I positioned poorly. I thought um, a priest was not in base-to-base base and it ended up making base-to-base. Base. But that priest, if I didn't make it to base-to-base, to base, um, is the only reason he was able to tank everything on his his Nemeser with uh, Oricon in his unit. He was able to pretty much re-roll two up armor saves the entire game. Or 40 of them is what he ended up tanking from that. But had he not actually been in the wrong position, which again was my mistake... Uh, I would have wiped out his entire unit except for Nemesis, in which case Nemesis then would have died to the Power Fists and uh, uh, Mind Forge Staff in close
1: combat. Yeah, just gonna have uh, to s- split the wounds around to ignore him, was that
4: exactly? He was able to he was able to split them the right way at that point to do that. And again, you know, mistakes happen when you're when you're exhausted. <laughs> so, but that's that. My next round, I played uh, uh, James Watkins. James was running Thunderwolf Cavalry. And uh, James, he was kind of disheartened from his last game. Um, he was just kind of in there to roll dice. Uh, so he was saying, and then he ended up uh, coming at me, charging straight at me. I just wanted to see what his list would basically do in combat. Because he's actually played my list before, but he did it with the Spawn Star instead of the, the Thunderbolt Star. Well, before the game had started, I rolled my Psychic Powers, and I rolled Sanctuary on my Librarian. So with, with Sanctuary and the Librarian, his invulnerable save went to a 2-plus invulnerable save. The Chapter Masters went to a 2-plus invulnerable save. And all of the sisters went to 5-plus invulnerable saves. So when he crashed into combat, all of my sisters were rerolling their invulnerable saves, and the Chapter Master was able to tank. We counted them up. 81 Strength 9 AP2 or AP1 hits from the thunder, from the Iron Priests, which he was getting a little frustrated with. <laughs>
1: so nothing died pretty much
4: nothing died from that well the first round he he killed uh nine sisters because he got to choose how he charged in he was able to position right um and then he hit and run out and then the barrage in my list did their work and it was able to take out his apothecary and other key units he needed to basically uh hit and run in and out and uh do his 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 dirty work so the barrage is key in that matchup just taking out key models uh, having the ability to choose what you kill is huge. So then uh, the next time he charged in, I tanked everything again and, and started killing off Thunderwolves because he had run out of models to look out, Sir 2. Uh, so pretty much that was that. And then he lost that one in four rounds. He killed nine sisters, which was not enough to give get, uh, get him that unit below half. And he knocked my Chapter Master down two wounds total for that game. So in the end, he... Technically, only got 120 victory points off me while I took out his entire army, except for uh, stuff like a unit of scouts and a uh, shroud. What the, the shrouding speed, land speeder that Dark Angels have. Oh, yeah,
1: the Dark Shroud.
4: Dark Shroud, yeah,
1: thank you very much. So, we've learned the counters to a fundal star is sisters in close combat, apparently.
4: Well, it, it's sisters with the re rollable two up invul save in there. <laughs> <laughs> But it, it worked so well, and I, I've been practicing that because my friend Nick actually runs Thunderwolf uh, as a as a list. So anytime they charge at me, if I position correctly to tank his hits, I'm just going to tank them all day on the two plus reroll. So the, the the nice counter there is that. And if you're running like say demons, the the Screamer Star ties them up all day long too.
1: Yeah. Are you uh, trying to get sanctuary in that matchup then, or is that just an added bonus if you can get it?
4: Well, it, it's a nice bonus if I got it, so I tried for it, and I ended up getting it. And then uh, my final round was versus Sasha, who ended up winning, uh, I guess, the overall, not the, the Battlemaster, but he ended up winning, like, uh, uh, Renman. Yeah, so yeah. I was kind of in the in the running at that point for Renman, having only one loss to Alex Fennell by three points, uh, again, because of my, I, I feel like, my mistake. And, uh... Pretty much, Sasha was running Gladius, and uh, I just didn't have enough firepower to actually deal with it because my list, like I, I tell everybody, is meta-gamed for dealing with Death Stars in combat, which is what I've seen as the big lists out here that are winning. So the Sasha drops down his two Ironclads right by me, and he he like threads a needle. Drops him right in there. Gets him inside the void shield somehow. Because apparently I, I was I messed up and didn't let him in, let him in. And he uses his heavy flamers, because each one of them had two heavy flamers, to knock out almost an entire scout squad that was sitting in the back. Uh, trying to block him out. Well, I got one scout left and two wounds to tank. But since I'm running iron hands, I get a 6 plus, involve, a six plus uh, feel no pain versus the heavy flamers. And I rolled... Boxcars. <laughs> so he was just like, "What just happened?" Uh, he lost first blood to that because then my blobs were able to charge his his two ironclads and drop pods and kill all of them. But then he had thirty one more units still on the board after that that I just I couldn't take them all out, and uh, he was able to build up the primary uh, on me. So Gladius is a nice counter to my list, which was a, a nice surprise because I actually rather play against lists like Gladius's than the uh the death star list i've been dealing with
1: yeah so did you find with you just having the five key hitting units it just is not enough there to deal with MSU but when
4: it's, yeah it's really not it really isn't enough to deal with the MSU uh especially in the nova missions where they he took uh turn by turn and built up stuff with all his objective secured stuff hmm. so
1: so you find him this to be the optimum sisters build at the moment you know we used to see exorcists and rhinos everywhere now it's on to a couple of big blobs you reckon
4: well I actually like the two blobs but only really for the nova style missions so it was very optimal for me uh, and it matches my playstyle because I've been playing this list for about two years so I've gotten pretty good at positioning things to uh, counter-attack in the in the combats in the right way um uh, and it, it, it takes a lot of practice with it, because I lost a lot of games before I started winning them, but I knew that the mathematics were there. The potential for tanking an entire army's worth of combat um, was clearly there. Exorcists, I actually didn't take them because of the terrain. Um, the line of sight problem is huge at, at with the Nova terrain um, because you can't actually draw a line of sight 48 inches out. So the big benefit of the exorcist is you can use your armor 13 to tank in the front and you can shoot at the 48 inches and not worry about them getting your side arcs well with the nova terrain you can't actually shoot anywhere on the table 48 inches away i think it's coming out came out to like 24 to 36 was the maximum range i could get with uh, just straight up line of sight which makes it very easy for my opponents to get in there and uh, the exorcist ended up not doing so much, uh, especially when you got things out there like invisible Death Stars and um, all that jazz. So Exorcist would have been good versus Sasha, but versus the the majority of the field I played, it just they did not have the potential to swing at things or shoot at things the right way.
1: Do you think in an, an event without the Nova style and as heavy loss Block, you'd take them still, or do you prefer the Thunderfires and the Relic Whirlwind? Thunderfires
4: Fires and the Relic Whirlwind are really, really good. So, but uh, if you wanted to build a Rhino-based list, the Exorcists still have a place. So, like, I was messing around with uh, another list I want to try, and it's got the Rhinos again in there, and it's got five Exorcists, because I'm running two CADs of Sisters. But uh, I, I just haven't played with that one enough to actually see how it works in the ITC format. But uh, I, I think they still have a place, but in the Blob list, I think you're better off with the barrage and taking out the key units that you need to win the combats, so that's more or less. So, like, you, I selected my heavy choices to match what my list needed to win.
1: Do you think then mentioning the ITC very quickly, uh, if there was something what had maelstrom involved that your list would have to adapt to that, or do you think it could work as is?
4: <sighs> that's actually where I'm at right now. Uh, I don't know. Uh, so I have not played ITC because uh, I'm only on the east coast of the U.S. and I'm actually looking outside right now and it's snowing. <laughs> so I don't do too much traveling during the ITC season, I call it. Um, but I would be willing to actually try it out and uh, see what I can do. But the, I, I am looking to try the Sisters with the Exorcists and the Rhinos again simply because Maelstrom's back in ITC. And I do not think the list I ha- currently have with the two sister blobs is strong in a, in the a format with uh, with um, Maelstrom it. That said, I, I would have loved to have seen uh, the American team take uh, my list. And I was talking to Andrew Gagnon and Nick Nanavati about it because there were a lot of close combat lists I saw from the ETC stuff. But uh, if they had actually gotten in there, I think this, this list actually had potential to tank e- even the strongest close combat list I saw there. So, like, Nick Nanavati's Demons, uh, he charged in with his stuff, and this had the tools, and I beat him on on a tournament July 27th. So it's on Torn of Fire with basically this list. A couple different changes, but pretty much the same idea, just the the blobs with objectives secured tanking on objectives. I don't know, it it just seemed to work versus close combat stuff.
1: And that was against Nick's Drone Star and Screamer Star, was it?
4: Yep. So the Barrage was able to take out his... uh, is grimoire, so his Screamer Stars uh, just couldn't even tank it themselves at that point because barrage was key in that that matchup. A couple failed uh, sirs, and there goes the uh, the guy carrying it, the Herald.
1: Do you think if people knew Sisters and knew the little tricks that you had with the list, that would impact it a bit, or do you think even knowing it, there's not much you can do about it? Well. I know,
4: for example, my list is weak versus barrage, because if you can take out my priests, it's it's good game for me because that's where all of the, the durability comes from. It's just simply the fact that I can reroll saves in combat. That's the whole trick in my mind. but uh, no one seems to be taking barrage uh, in mass. They take a couple things, but really like it, it, I can't tell you how much I love it. Uh, The ability to snipe out models is huge in this edition in my mind. Um, But I I think I'd like to actually play Horger again because he actually said that he thinks that he could beat it now that he's seen the tricks. But uh, I I don't know. I'd like to have that challenge because uh, I've played a few people multiple times to this list and uh, only one or two have been able to figure out uh, how to beat the tricks now once they see it.
1: We won't go into too much detail on how to beat it, then, just so you've got some chance at your next event. But do you, <laughs> do you find mass shooting to be a bit of an issue if people don't want to engage the combat so you don't get to use all your tricks?
4: I did, actually, and that's where the, the Void Shield generator came in. So in the last two months, I've because, like, grav weapons were huge, they were a major problem for me, because everything in my list has either a 2-plus save or a 3-plus save. And uh, they were ripping my stuff apart. But as soon as I put the Void Shield in, if they didn't have anything but grav weapons, they couldn't even touch me. Uh, So mass shooting was a huge problem. Uh, And Alex Fennell was running the Destroyers and the Destroyer cults, and they were able to do some damage also. Same idea, because they were AP2, and they were able to take down the Void Shields. So, really, it's... You gotta have specific things to get to my my. Uh, I'll call it the meat, and actually start punching the meat with your with your guns. If, as long as you get through the void shields, you're good.
1: Yeah, because as we were saying just before we started recording this, with the void shields, uh, with them be, the actual building is quite tough to crack for a lot of armies because it everyone's just... spamming strength six, a bit of strength seven.
4: Yeah, so like when I saw the scatter bike spam, and uh, they're they're shooting up uh, the stuff. Just simply cracking AV-12 for the scatter bikes, it, it, it's tough. So a lot of people who invest all their shooting into strength 6 and strength 5, they can't touch it.
1: And you're just so, sat there walking forwards laughing.
4: Pretty much. And, that, and because the blobs are so huge and the void shield's so broken, <laughs> I was able <laughs> to trail behind and leave a couple models in the in the shield and not care.
1: So that pretty much sums up. Uh, I'm guessing you get best sisters at bfs as the only sister there was it
4: well there's actually another one uh the other one was running uh, sisters
1: with Thunderbolts. ah so, so the they, ultimate death star
4: they're running the ultimate death star and they didn't do so well um uh, but uh this one was able to to beat out the list that beat that one first round which was james watkins Thunderbolt star
1: Ah, okay yeah you'd think the sisters start with all the real saves like yours would beat the normal Thunderbolt star in combat, unless it doesn't have as much hitting power, maybe. Or
4: well, there 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 was a key to that, and James was running in his list uh, the psychotrope grenades and the rad grenades.
1: Right. Yeah.
4: So the other sister player was not running those in his star, and the rad grenades knocking hit the other players' uh, thunderbolts down to toughness four, allowing them to be instant killed, was huge. Yeah. And and when you roll on the psychotrope grenades, you roll that six, uh, and the opponent has to roll an initiative check or kill them or hit themselves. That was also a big problem for the the other player.
1: If you start taking models off at that point, and
4: yeah. So the the old versions uh, rad grenade psychotrope grenades from the Inquis- Inquisition is a nice little tool in there, but. Uh, let's see. I I think that's pretty much sums everything up. I'm sorry I'm not that good at recalling details because it was a week ago.
0: And finally, we are going to get into Matt's interview with Cameron. Uh, I hope you enjoy this. Don't forget, please get involved on the Facebook page. It's facebook.com forward slash AOC podcast. And if you're listening to us on iTunes, please leave us a positive review. It really helps us get out there to other fans of competitive 40k when they search for 40k it pushes us up the listings uh, when people do searches so please do leave a positive review we appreciate it a great deal but anyway without any further ado let's get into this with cameron pinero
1: hi all matt here joined for part three of the bfs and random list coverage i'm joined here by hey, cameron pinero I'm good, thanks, Ken. Uh, so you had a bit of an interest in Eldar list, not the usual Bite spam or seer council or water spiders. Yeah, um,
3: I, I did something a little bit different. Um, I like to call it Wraithgate. Uh, so it's kind of like council because basically it starts off, I take Eldred and three Farseers, and then I have two massive units of Wraithguard, one with scythes and one with cannons. And I have an Archon with a Webway portal. So the whole goal for it is just literally to start getting Gate of Infinity and jumping around the table and destroying whatever I can touch. One big shoot you in yeah, um, combat. It is incredibly potent because it just kills anything. And uh, the fact that we use Nova FAQ, I don't know if you're entirely familiar with it, but I still get to cast multiple Shrieks or Cleansing Flames or whatever powers I really get out of the unit. So it's killy both in Psychic and in yeah. Shooting, which is, I feel, one of the advantages over Seer Council too.
1: So what's the rest of the list to support that? Is it just minimum Jet Bike units and then
3: yeah, so it's Like something? I said, Eldred, three Farseers. Yeah. Uh, it's one big unit of nine Wraith Guard. Um, a unit of five Scythe Guard, uh, four units of Jet Bikes, which just have catapults actually, um, a Hemlock, and then two five-man Spiders with Exarchs, and then the Archon, five Warriors, and a Raider for the five-man sights to ride in as well.
1: Yeah, I noticed when you sent me the copy of this, you had a couple of upgrades on the Raider. Was that just because of spare points at the end? Or
3: was there any particular uh, it was really reason coming down to this? I had 5 points left over in the list and it was between, do I get my arc on a Haywire Grenade or do I want to get my raider a Tank Shock? And uh, I decided with the Tank Shock because really, if I don't kill something with the Wraith Guard, I'm probably not going to kill with a Haywire Grenade as well too.
1: Yeah. so so suppose that Tank shock's pretty tasty for being able to just do a sneaky... Tank shot, group something up, and then blast them with your. In scythe theory, guard. it
3: was gonna be amazing. Yet I never actually got to use it because the raider either deep struck in the entire time and then died, or just died turn one anyway. So I'm glad it was only five points and not like a 15 point upgrade.
1: <laughs> yeah, it would have been a bit wasted in the end. Did you find the scythes doing? better than the d cannons or just as well like what made you go for the big unit of d cannons rather than the so big the size? cannons uh,
3: when i when i use gate of infinity i don't scatter however since i'm not using the uh, wraith host or i don't have baharoth i don't have battle focus so i have to stay clumped up uh because of that the cannons being 12 inch range and being able to shoot over each other i went with them as the main death star um, there were some cases where I did jump all my characters over into the five-man unit instead, in which case I was able to bring, like, three wraith guard the characters and then put the last two on the side so that all five could flame. But um, I went with... it was also points, too. I mean, it was 288 for the nine-man when 210 for the five-man with size, so it's kind of limiting on what I could actually do with them.
1: yeah you get more shots for your book do you find that because you've got quite a lot of psychic dice then you don't mind invisible death stars or things like that because you can hopefully stop it and then splat whatever you've got with the amount of D Yeah, you've I mean, um, the army
3: I have 13 dice to start um, if I start all the characters on the board uh, 15 when the hemlock comes in usually I'll get invisibility along with it which is always a lovely power to have but um, in my case, I feel that my support can take out their support. I can just play kite around, and then with enough dice, I can get one turn where, oh, you failed invisibility, here's nine cannons, or here are five size, and your unit's dead, and now I win. kind of do?
1: Ah, uh, so you don't really try and engage them until their buffs are gone, and you use that one turn to jump over and yeah. hopefully um, do it all in one go. Yeah, the don't
3: even have to roll kit, because it really adds up, especially when it's like, oh, you failed a visibility, hope you can run away from me.
1: Do you not find, if the raider comes in first, if they had the buffs up, the raider comes in, then the buffs go, they can kind of escape that and they've just got to deal with the one unit, or is there anything clever you can do to get them both?
3: In some of my test games, actually, um, I noticed I played against um, Zach, who actually won the event, Um, He he was playing a council with a couple bikes and a Wraith Knight. And at one point he invisibled both his council and the Wraith Knight and had the Wraith Knight sitting in the middle, the council kind of hanging on the edges. Um, What I did was actually deep-struck the raider closer to the bikes, jumped the characters from the main nine-man guard into the five-man scythe guard. I was able to gate over, and then because he didn't realize how close or how mobile I could do that with, was I actually flamed through the bikes and killed the wraith knight that way? So that was always one of the fun get around tricks.
1: Uh, you shot something exactly. else and just happened to hit the thing behind. Yeah, that's always fun if you can do. If you can, things like wart spiders. It's another good trick against them. If you have a flame or a blast shoot whatever they stood next to, because you're not targeting them specifically. They ain't getting out of Um, there. They're getting hit.
3: Sadly, uh, BFS actually ruled that the spiders were considered part of the target, so that actually happened to me. Um, Andrew Gandhi tried to flame just my raider and kill all my spiders, and then BFS was like, no, actually the spiders can flicker jump, so uh, I was actually able to save that way more than uh, me flame the other way around. That's... What it was in do similar that? to what the Nova FAQ did in terms of jink saves. So Nova ruled that if you shoot a blast or template at one vehicle and it is intentionally clipping a second vehicle, if the other vehicle could jink, it was allowed to jink.
1: Uh, so it's just a weird Nova FAQ rather than right. anything. No. In every People other tournament,
3: missed. by Raw, I would be able to flame through the spiders and be like, uh, I'm not actually hitting the spiders, but you're going to die anyway, kind of deal.
1: Yeah. Well, that's fair enough. So, did you have any interesting games? Do you want to go sure. through?
3: So, game one. I had 15 rolls between uh, the Farsiers Eldred and the Hemlock, and my very first game I played against a Lion's Blade, uh, the Dark Angels, Gladius, whatever it's called. Um, first game, the player was, he was nice. He was more of a, he described himself as more as a painter than a, um, competitive player. But I went in the game and I got neither invisibility or gate, and all I had was a bunch of shrieks and maybe one cleansing flame. Um, going against an entirely mobile objective secured unit and six objectives. Um, it came down to a 13 13 tie, and I ended up Beating him on kill points overall, um, he didn't. He was not able to do enough damage to the Wraith Guard and all the characters, and I killed pretty much all of his tactical squads, all of his rhinos. Um, he actually had some Terminators in there because he needed to take them apparently. So it was surprisingly a hard game just because it was the one game where I had none, no good powers whatsoever. <laughs> Uh, let's see, my second game, I played against an uh, Imperial Guard with Codiez and an Imperial Knight. Uh, we played Hammer and Anvil, and um, this game I got what, one gate and two invisibilities, I believe. I deployed just the Spiders and Warriors because he g- I gave him first turn. Um, we had...
1: Shoot, so... The Warriors just hiding behind a building, were they? Yeah, he deployed his Wyverns
3: on one half of the table, so I would deploy my Warriors in the opposite ruin on the other end, and it was night fight, so I just went to ground and had a two-up cover save against the rest of the shooting. Uh, Two spider units just kind of jumped away from the Wyverns, and then I think he didn't realize what my army could do, so turn two, I dropped down the Nine Wraith Guard, all the characters, I Cleansing Flamed, killed all the transports, shrieked three different times to kill different units and then blew up like a unit of tanks with all the wraith guard afterwards and then the following turns I'm like oh yes I gate of infinity and the way they ruled webway portal is I don't scatter so I was able with cleansing flame an entire 50 man conscript blob down over two turns and blow up them. yeah and then I blew up his Ouch. imperial knight uh, nine wraith cannons I just rolled three sixes and I was like yeah no saves dead knight
1: Yeah, three sixes will do it. I suppose that unit, any big, super heavy, or monstrous creature, or anything, even if they're flying, once you've got guide, yeah, that really Yeah, one in of trouble. the fun
3: things, too, is that um, you really couldn't play around the Wraith Guard because nothing wants to try to get shot by them, even if you're invisible, because I'm going to throw a guide at it, and then you're going to start taking damage. Um, I sadly did not get to play any demon players because. I love to throw 9 guard at Fateweaver in the air, and just hope for a 6 and then a 6, because I don't care if you're a Grimoire, a 6 is just going to double you out and kill Fateweaver, and then suddenly the armor starts falling apart, too.
1: Yeah, it's pretty fun.
3: Yep, right so off the bat. Is that two round, wins? Two wins um, started off going into the third game of day th- of day one, um, I ended up playing uh, Captain America himself, Andrew Ganyo, and his... Uh, White Scar Gladius. Um, We actually ended up playing Relic, which was favorable to me. Um, I don't know how much you know about Nova missions, but uh, BFS copied them almost word for word. So I chose to play Relic. So we had four objectives and the Relic itself. At the end of the game, the Relic was worth five points for me, and then the two objectives on my half of the board were worth one point each, the two on his... board or worth, two each. Ganyo instead, with his you know, 12, 2,000 points of free transports, decided to play what um, Nova calls progressive. So he would score every turn up to three points a turn if he controlled both of his objectives, if he controlled more of his objectives than I controlled of my objectives, and you get an additional point to the control the realm itself. Um, Ganyo ended up giving me first turn, because obviously you don't want to have a Death Star on Relic endgame. And my reserves came in pretty much piecemeal, but it was a very, very tactical game. Um, my spiders warped up, grabbed the Relic, started jumping back away from it. Um, he'd bring in a bunch of pods and outflanking razors, and I'd just pretty much jump around, gating across the table, killing the pods, killing the iron collides, killing everything. Now, while doing this, I was also sacrificing um, a jetpack unit a turn to deny him gaining any points on his objectives. So by the end of the game, it came down to turn 5. His score was, I believe, 9 to 12, and um, 9 me, 12 Ganyo. I was able to actually immobilize one of his Rhinos, one of his last remaining Rhinos, so it was immobilized and could not contest the relic anymore. I uh, had a lone farseer charge a land speeder and wreck it. and then I had a Hail Mary gate to land right next to the relic, blow up his final objective secured ironclad, and block everything around it to snag the relic, and all of a sudden take the 912 loss to a 16-12 victory from that one play.
1: <laughs> yeah. magical Christmas land I think that's what it's called it was, you just get it everything was you need perfect just. Play.
3: and I remember it was uh, turn 5 I was like hey Ganya, no, do you want to call it and guys like Cameron I think you're losing right now and I was like oh wait that rhino's still alive that speeder's still alive and they're both objective secured so I need to kill them and this ironclad so it was a uh, it was a very fun it was a very tactical game um, I also got all my powers that game so it was, it was thoroughly enjoyable to say the least
1: do you find the majority of the time you get in your powers then you know with 13 rolls
3: uh between three farseers and eldred i pretty much get my powers every game i will have at least one gate and at least one invisibility aside from the one fluke game one Mm. um thankfully for the rest of the tournament i got gate and invisibility in my other games so it made things a little less stressful
1: yeah, absolutely, the main two and then of course well, guide
3: and prescience occasionally, but primary's powers are so nice that it doesn't. Really yeah.
1: Cool. So that was th- yeah three, so wins, three going wins going well today too. Then um,
3: I made top bracket. Um, game four I actually played against uh, my fellow teammate Zach Polakowski. Uh, he was playing, like I said, his Seer Council Wraith Knight, um, four units of scatter bikes or five units of scatter bikes and a, a bunker with a void shield on it. Um, he took the bunker just in case he needed to reserve his counsel from anything, and that way he couldn't get table turn one. Well, that was his rationale behind it. Um, for some reason, uh, BFS decided to take the same three missions from day one and flip them in terms of the order as well as the deployment. So I ended up playing Zack in Relic, but in Hammer Handle. So literally the same mission I played Ganyo, just... Slightly uh, changing the deployment zones. Um, okay. Luckily, I won the roll off and decided to go second because Seer Council versus Wraithgate mm-hmm. just doesn't end well. Whoever has bottom turn has a significant advantage, especially when we both went for relic itself. Um, in this game, I wound up getting two gates and two invisibilities, one on the council, one from the Hemlock itself. Zach got, incredibly lucky, wound up with uh, two invisibilities, a couple Men of Fortitudes, and I believe one Gate of Infinity as well, too. Uh, With Barath in his council, he also wasn't scattering around.
1: So that's when it gets a bit interesting, then. Exactly. Who can get the jump Um, on who.
3: (laughs) So, turn one probably was one of the more pivotal turns of the game, surprisingly. Um... I decided to... Zach deployed on the line his Wraith Knight and his council and left all of his bikes in reserve. I deployed two spider units as well as all the Wraith... uh, just the nine-man Wraith Guard and all the characters. Now, it wasn't night fighting, but I deployed all the Wraith Guard in four ruins and between his Wraith Knight and then the council getting over and shooting my Wraith Guard, I ended up losing seven Wraith Guard turn one. Ouch. That, it was That's huge. a pretty big swing um, in that game though. Zach was just he had his Wraith Knight was weird because he gave him two cannons and two scatter lasers. And the two scatter lasers wound up killing three Wraith guard by themselves. But you know average. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: it's fifty fifty. Yeah, it doesn't.
3: So my turn one, I just gated the hell out of dodge, pretty much, on the other end of the table, invisible myself, and waited and kind of clenched my butt to so hopefully my reserves come in. Um, so turn two, Zach wound up having uh, reroll reserves, and all four of his jetpack squads decided to stay out without even having to reroll them. He just rolled ones and twos like a maniac.
1: Oh, so the bad just dice the turned right up. just um, at the right time.
3: It was hammer and anvil too, and I had rolled infiltrate, so I had infiltrated my three, three of my four jetpikes to actually outflank him and just hit him on the sides when his came in. Well, at least that was the plan, until none of them decided to come in. Um. So my spiders, both spider squads lived, and then through invisibility, Zach shot his wraith knight. He shot one scatter laser and two cannons, and managed to kill the last two Wraith Guard in my unit.
1: Was that with guide? Or um, anything, he had or guide, just or... guide, and I,
3: again, was in four up cover. And um, unlike, um, I don't know what y'all do over in Europe and all, but um, Nova has a rule that you cannot roll sixes within further than 12 inches away. So his Wraith nut, even though he rolled a six... He's not insta-killing oh, you... things. I still get my cover saved and whatnot. Yeah,
1: that's just a slight Correct. nerf to the D special so, rule over there, isn't
3: it? One scatter laser and two cannons. Through invisibility, killed two wraith guard. Um, this was probably one of the most... It didn't seem like it mattered that much until end game, because the way Nova's scoring works, you have a primary goal, in this case was the relic, you have your secondary pool which you choose, uh, you can choose like First Blood, Warlord, Linebreaker, but then they have a bunch of different other things, like kill points is one of them, Um, kill all of your enemy's troops, uh, marking a certain unit for death. And then the last goal is uh, the tertiary goal, which is called the Butcher's Bill, where from turns two to five, if you kill a unit, you wind up getting one extra point. So you get up to four points total. Turn two, Zack was unable to kill either spider unit, and then, just because he was bursted through the invisibility and killed the last two Wraith Guard, he actually wound up getting one extra point. Exactly. That's and then because the turn, both then. his Wraith Knight and the council were invisible the entire game, um, when my sides came in turn two, even though I jumped all the characters into the new Wraith Guard unit, I could not flame anything. Um, it was also a little bit of a hindrance to me, that I played Zack about two weeks before BFS with my list against his list. So when I, earlier when I flamed his jet bikes and killed his knight, he made sure this time that everything had an 8 inch bubble away from either the council or the wraith knight at all times.
1: So he's learning from Yeah, unfortunately for for you.
3: Um, Throughout the game, it was very much a cat and mouse game. I ended up killing... Two of, um, Two of his jet bikes. It came down to turn five. His Wraith Knight stayed on the relic the, literally the entire game, just kind of hanging on there and being invisible. Turn four, or sorry, yep. Turn five, his Farseer blew his head off, rolling in apparels on invisibility. And so only the Knight was invisible. The Council was free to go, whatever. Zach had wound up tying up my last unit of jet bikes in combat with one of his jet bike units, and his marked for death jet bikes had boosted all the way onto my backfield, where my hemlock actually could not reach them no matter which way Vector danced over.
1: Um, so you're yeah. just hiding, saving a um, point for them.
3: Because of time, we had to call it on five. Um, I managed to actually gate over next to the unit locked in combat. Cleansing flame them to free up my jet bikes, kill Baharoth in the process, and then my free jet bikes were able to turbo boost and steal the relic from the Wraith Knight itself. Um, sadly, my second gate in the unit, uh, I did not have enough dice. I rolled three at it, and all three failed. Um, so I was stuck in place with the final Wraith Guard unit. Um, so I was unable to kill his last unit of jet bikes. So at the end game, I had taken one objective, contested the other three, and stole the relic, and we ended up going ten ten tie. Uh,
1: Oof. So that last play with the cleansing flame absolutely um, brought the game back for you.
3: Had I done, uh, had I got the last gate off, or had I even, I even threw like three shrieks into the jet bikes, and he was able to deny all of them with his like nineteen deny dice too. Um, had I killed the jetbike urban force in the break, um, that would have been his last troop unit, which I chose as one of my secondaries. So, have, actually, that would have swung two points to me. It was the marked unit, so another two more points, and it would have taken him out of line breaker. So, it would have been a six-point swing had I killed that jetbike unit for a complete victory. But uh, it wound up going down to tiebreakers entirely, and Zach won against me by 13 victory points. A Dire Avenger.
1: So that's probably <laughs> yeah. the closest yeah. game. 10-10 you're ever tie. Zach
3: exactly won by uh, a Dire Avenger in terms of points. Yeah. yeah, it was
1: less than it one was space a Very very it.
3: close game. Um,
1: Did he then go on to win his next two games outright?
3: Cause, I yes, mean, you know his that next two the games he faced a, the other Seer Council player in the top eight, Matt Sherkman. and then he, uh, he beat him, and then he went on to beat Alex Fennel playing uh, Necrons, where Zach had a Seer Council that loaded up with Vortex, Invisibility, Fortune, and Forewarning, and a Wraith Knight. So you can imagine how that last game went.
1: Yeah, that's been <laughs> exactly. Pretty fun for
3: Alex. So <laughs> after my fourth game losing to Zach. Um, my first three wins for day one uh, were very low wins because I won like 13, 14, and 19 in my last game um, Zach and Matt the other two elder players were at least uh, 12 points ahead of me in terms of battle points so there was literally no way for me to catch up to them to even consider getting best elder player so I was out of the running for everything at this point so my fifth game, I played against um, a wonderful guy from Germany. His name was Sasha, actually. He was playing uh, a battle company. And as I looked at him. I said, Sasha, I really don't care too much about this game because I have nothing nothing to win or nothing to lose. Do you care about this game, too? He's like, well, there's a chance for me to get Man. I said, okay, well, you know what? We actually kind of have to play this game. I'll actually play this game with you, and I won't drop. But I said, you know what? Let's make this interesting. I deployed everything on the table, and he had first turn, he scattered up, he had a million grab shots at me. I had a five-up seize, and I failed to seize.
1: Oh, you, you got my hopes up then, just that pause. I was hoping you were going to say you seized, and then it all went... So, no, Brilliant. If, I,
3: if I had seized, I quite. had a gate, I had invisibility, I had five shrieks in that game, and I would have destroyed everything. But then he wound up killing all the Wraith Guard. Um, and by the end game, I think it was about an 8 12 loss to me. Um, yeah, so even without so the Death Star and without a bunch of my um, supporting, and all my units came in, even when I had reroll reserves and I wanted them out, uh, it was still a very to- fun, close game. And then for my sixth game at that point, I was tired and I had things to do in the morning. So I decided just to go ahead and peace out of the event, sadly. Uh, so yeah, you catch on catch trip, home and, uh, trip home. Enjoy my 3-2 record for the weekend.
1: That's, that's not too bad because I suppose when you've got win-loss formats, you do get that more, I think, than over here because there's always something to play for. Whereas in win-loss, if you've lost, yeah, you're out. that
3: that like we were talking about earlier, um, with the win-loss format, it is very much is, a oh, I didn't win, okay, well, I'm going to drop now, rather than battle points where it's like, oh, top table just went 10-10 tie, and I just went 20-0. I jumped both of them kind of thing.
1: Yeah, there's always something. Even if you go, okay, I'm going to lose this game, but I'll try and get seven or eight points because it's going to put me better for the rest of my games. Absolutely. There's pros and cons to both, but I know the States is quite popular for win-loss. Yeah, so just going back to your list then in a bit more detail. Uh, As I mentioned to you just before we started recording, uh, a friend of mine has been playing or looking at a very similar list. So I actually gave him a copy of your list, and straight away we both looked at it and went, right, what will we tweak to go this because there's a couple of ideas in there that he likes like he liked the idea of the scythe unit and the raider which he hadn't thought of yeah initially. Um,
3: the scythe unit definitely was my mvp of the entire tournament um, it surprised a lot of people um, everyone on the internet always says oh scythe guard and the raider are so horrible you see them everywhere and i was literally the only one that ever i've ever seen even consider running them
1: Yeah, I think what we looked at straight up was how can we get a bunker with the comms relay in there, just have that reserve manipulation, because we played a practice game, and I think he used just your list straight up just to get a bit of game with it and then see, right, right what will we, what do we want to do? Is it what we think? And his big unit didn't come on until turn four, which he was going second. I had a load of destroyers and some hive tyrants because I'd just thrown something together. And it's like, okay, right, I can't really set up against that, because I'm going to get shot to crap. Reserved them just to get the drop to come in after me as well, because right. my destroyers were deep striking. And then turned up on turn four, so that right, definitely want comms relay, some reserve manipulation.
3: Yeah, um, I was lucky in that in the games that it mattered, they came in on turn two or turn three. But uh, definitely, if I could squeeze a comms in, that would be something I would like to do.
1: Yeah, I think he looked at dropping the big sight, uh, the big rave guard unit to eight man, and then he also dropped the hemlock, I think it was, for another unit of warp spiders. Yeah, that'll do it. Which f- freed up the points. To add the bunker in there. What do you think of that swap? Do you think the hemlock you could live without for the spiders and the bunker, or do you think the hemlock?
3: Well, uh, before I even answer that question, I guess I gotta ask you. Do uh, I know in America we play that the hemlock blast, since it's a flyer, it can hit fly monster's creatures. Do you play with that in Europe too?
1: Yes. Yeah, we play. It can hit. Right, flying monster creatures, just not um, flying vehicles.
3: You also play with unlimited flicker jumps on the spiders, right? Okay. Um, that, that might yes. seal the deal for me. Um, I like the Hemlock a lot because I do, I'm able to blast creatures with it. Uh, it also gives me two more valuable dice. So instead of walking around with 13 dice, I have 15. Um, there were a few games where... I used all 15 dice, and it was nice to have that extra two just coming on later in the game with the hemlock. Um, it also adds some more D-shots. But I feel that the comms bunker is probably something that you really, really want. Especially if, I know you don't rule, the webway will scatter, well, it doesn't scatter when you gate, correct?
1: Yeah, because if you come on from reserves, you do, but gate doesn't count as going back into reserves, just uses the right. deep strike. In that case, again. yes, I think
3: the comms, the comms bunker and the spider for the hemlock is probably the better switch overall.
1: Well, the next point I was going to make, which is you half-mentioned then, was with the scatter and the webway. If you were, they were ruling they did scatter from gate, so after you drop in from reserves, anything after that you go going to scatter, would you consider trying to get Baroth in there instead of a Farseer or do you think you'd lose too much needing the dice and all the powers
3: I would actually I really really would take Baroth over a Farseer at that point um, I, it would, I know losing three dice is is a big drop but being able to precision deep strike uh, scythe guard really wherever I want to go on the table is well worth it for taking Baroth instead of a uh, Webway
1: yeah, because Baroth's an extra. Uh, Baroth is 170? And a regular Farseer is 115.
3: And a regular Farseer is 115. Yeah, so you'd have to probably
1: lose the spider unit we've just added to free at the it. Well, point no, at that
3: point, I would actually. Um, I would.
1: Or do you do it as a CAD? And then, yeah, oh, let's I, do no, me two CADs. Um, I drop a Farseer
3: for the Baroth, and then I just change the Archon over to a Lamian instead.
1: Can Alarmion take a webway still, or would you literally just play for gate? I literally just play you for gate. Hope you don't have, to reserve, have to, reserve to
3: reserve the unit. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That um, should free up your points. Yeah. If if you did keep the arc on, it, would you consider putting the armor of misery on? Because you could kind of trade that for a rave guard, similar points. Just have your minus two. Leadership oh. for all your shrieks and um, things yeah, like that. I, I, I guess I didn't mention I Yes,
3: my Archon already has armor of misery on him, though. So, yes, yeah, so, yeah, so in BFS, I okay. was getting very close to many things and being like, take, here's a shriek at minus two leadership. Yeah, yes, it was nice. That's and pretty it, good. It also worked yeah. really well if I didn't completely kill a unit. Some t- I trapped a couple units between the six inch Archon misery and 12 inch hemlock to be here to take a leadership check at minus four.
1: Yes, so so do you reckon that's what you'll do if you use this list again, or are you going on to submit completely new? So
3: right now I'm waiting to hear back from Reese from ITC itself to see if the portal will or will not scatter uh, when I gate. If it doesn't, I think I'm going to try to continue this list. Um, Moving forward, however, I'm very, very excited with the news of the new Eldor Corsairs, as well as the new Forge Ward Wraith Knight. And I am looking forward to maybe incorporating them into the list somehow or other.
1: Yeah, I've seen some of the base rumours of them, and they do look very tasty. I'm sure we'll touch on them at some point, even though them being forged, they're probably worth a mention. But that's great. Thanks very much for coming on then, Cam. And hopefully we'll speak to you again soon.